Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. This is Stuff You Should Know. (laughs) I'm a little grumpy about this topic. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. Because it's pretty thin? Well, not not only is it thin, but just the older I've gotten, man, this just all... We're talking about reverse psychology. And I see its use with, like, kids sometimes and stuff. Yeah. But then when it gets to, like, relationships and... Dude. Professional relationships and business. Yeah. I just... It's It's a little disgusting. It all feels like manipulative games. And the older I've gotten, the more I just have no time for that garbage. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, like, be honest, even if things don't turn out well. Yeah. At least you were honest and you weren't being some manipulative puppet master. Right. It's just gross. Dude, I ran across advice on how to use reverse psychology to get your boyfriend back. Ugh. There's a site called exboyfriendrecovery.com, and it gives tips on it. So and unhealthy. it really insists on asking the question, do you want the person right. who you can use reverse psychology to get back? And if you're using that kind of stuff, if like this is the tactic you're taking to yeah. get your, your boyfriend back... Um, then is this is this the kind of relationship you really want in life? Agreed. So I'm right there with you. I, I think I think people are so afraid to walk away from a relationship, even if it's toxic. Um, we don't touch on that kind of stuff much. We should do more stuff on relationships like that. Okay. Because it is tough, and I get it. But um, I don't know, man. You get a little age under your belt, and it's very easy to just say, "No, get out of that. Go go." Treat yourself with kindness and respect. Even even if you take that out of the equation, you shouldn't manipulate other people into yeah. being in a relationship with you. No, not at all. That's a pretty good rule of thumb that applies to just about everybody. It will lead to badness. You also should not be such a desperate human being that you buy something you can't afford to mm-hmm. impress the salesman who's yeah. selling it to you. <laughs> Another good rule of thumb. That might work on me, actually. Maybe that's why it bugged me, too. Oh, yeah, I can't afford that? I'll take two. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll show you. All right. That was all preamble. Yeah, but we sadly covered a lot of this topic <laughs> in just that preamble. So we're talking reverse psychology, and it turns out psychology itself doesn't even really recognize reverse psychology. Yeah. Although it is definitely a thing. Like, you can point to certain instances of res- re- reverse psychology, and the basis of it is that you are telling somebody to do the opposite of what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing when you get them to react and do the opposite of what you're saying, mm-hmm. which is what you really want them to do. Yeah. What they're displaying is is a is recognized by psychology. It's a it's something called reactance. And with reactance, people oppose what they're being told out of a sense of independence or protecting their sense of autonomy. Sure. But for whatever reason, even if it's not in their own best interests, they'll do something that's the opposite of what they're being told. That's reactance. Reverse psychology is priming that pump right. in order to manipulate somebody into doing what you want. Yeah, and a, a lot of the examples given in this article are very ham-fisted, but I'm going to use them anyway. Okay. Like this first one is just a, a pure definition of what it could be, is uh, a wife wants her bedroom painted, 
So she asked the husband, you know, can you please paint the bedroom? And he's like, no, I want to paint the bedroom. Until she finally goes, you know what? You're not such a great painter anyway. Yeah. I'm going to paint the bedroom because I'll do a better job. Yeah. And then in this article, of course. That husband springs off the couch. I'm going to the Sherwin-Williams right now. Right. Uh, Empty Miller light cans (laughs) just go everywhere. He pauses the football game. Uh, so that's a, the, just a very bare bones example of how, um, someone might try and manipulate their husband or wife. Yeah. Into doing a chore. Yep. Instead of having just a grown up relationship where you tell your husband, yeah, maybe we should talk about painting the bedroom. And he goes, I'll entertain that because you're a valid human. Right. And you have opinions and needs and wants. Right. And if you don't do this, you're in big, <laughs> big trouble. Yeah. It's not just adults though, is it, Josh? What, that reverse psychology is used on? No. No, typically it's used on children. Um, it's something as simple as saying like, um, I'll bet you can't finish washing the dishes before this, <laughs> you know, your TV show comes on. That's a good positive use. Sure. Yes. Um, and psychologists who do recognize and talk about this kind of stuff, because it is worth talking about, and there is a certain amount of service among psychologists to, um, I guess, talk to parents about the use of reverse psychology um, because it isn't necessarily something you want to use a lot. You want to use it sparingly. And there are certain um, qualifiers that you need to use. Like, for example, you shouldn't use negative reinforcement or negative reverse psychology. Right. And this is actually a pretty good example, I think. Um, Like you want your kid to uh, hang their bike up in the bike rack above the cars in the garage. Yeah. So negative or reverse psychology would be if you really want them to do that for you to say, oh, you know what? Let me do it because you're so dumb. You'll drop the bike on the car. Right. <laughs> what kind of monster would do that? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently they're out there. But that is a, a great example of negative or reverse psychology. You really want your son to hang that bike up. Yeah. But you end up insulting him in the process of trying him to get, you know, to get him to do something. Right. And then the kid's self-esteem is in the toilet. No and good. it swirls around counterclockwise if it's a, a kid from the northern hemisphere and clockwise in the southern hemisphere, which is not true, by the way. <laughs> and I also don't think, I didn't even find this in there, this is just me, I don't think you should pit your children against one another either. Like, you know, I bet you can't finish your green beans like your big brother can. Right. Um, I grew up in a family with a big brother that was way better than me. <laughs> Right. And way smarter and yeah. better looking yeah. and thinner. The green beans really took effect on that one. No, but I have to say, my parents never compared us or never expected me to be him, which was great. Yeah. Uh, they probably did it accidentally, but. Or they did it behind <laughs> your back? Maybe so. But at any rate, I always appreciate They'd go to bed that. and be like, God, I really like that Scott. Let me yeah. tell you what he did today. Oh, I'm a big Scott fan myself. That was all the, the buzz behind the scenes. <laughs> Scott, Scott. So some more uh, recommendations if you're a parent using reverse psychology is that um, you, again, you don't want to use it too often because even a dumb kid can see through what you're doing eventually. Yeah, and they're going to think you're a manipulator. Yes. You don't want your child to think of you as manipulative, even if you are. You want to, at the very <laughs> least, manipulate them into not thinking that. <laughs> so you want to be uh, smart about using reverse psychology. And then there's a whole school of thought among some uh parental advice columnists that say you shouldn't use reverse psychology at all. It's a yeah. really bad idea across the board. It's a form of dishonesty, I think. Yeah, and once your kids do pick up on this, they will 
they will be like, well, my my parent doesn't really mean anything they say. Yeah. It'll also teach you're teaching your kid not to listen to you. For, and there's a good example of that in this article where if you really wish that your son would cut his long hippie hair, mm-hmm. um, a, a type of reverse psychology would be to come up to him and stroke it and be like, I hope you never cut this hair. It looks so good. That's a little creepy. And then the kid, sure. <laughs> and then maybe because he's creeped out, the yeah. kid goes to the barber the next day, has his hair cut, and joins the army. You know? <laughs> so you got what you wanted. Your kid's out of the house. He joined the army. Um, but you also have taught him to not listen to you, especially if you praise how good his hair looks um, after he cut it. Yeah. So not only do you not mean what you say, you're also kind of wishy-washy because you like the long hair, but now you like the short hair, and you're praising the kid for having done the opposite of what you told them to. That's right. So this is all—all all this combined. It's—it's—it basically it sounds like lazy parenting. Yeah. You know, I agree. Or or uh, cold, calculated, terrible parenting. Yeah, psychopathy. Yeah, that. Uh, let's take a break here, and we'll come back and um and finish up. No, I'm just kidding. We'll come back and talk a little bit more. About who might be affected by uh, reverse psychology. All right, experts say. Uh, if you're a, nar- a narcissist, man, I really hate that. <laughs> what? I saw that in this article. And experts it say, out. yeah, experts yeah. say, uh, but they do say, Josh, if you're a narcissist <laughs> or if you're a control freak, right? Check. Uh, or if you're type A, that you might be more susceptible to being manipulated by a um, reverse psychologist. Why is that? Well, because um, you want that control. Yeah, and that's ultimately what it comes down to. So, like, none of this will possibly work. If the person doesn't feel that their autonomy and sense of freedom and sense of um, self-destiny is not at stake here. Yeah, true. That's what you're doing is you're you're um, you are uh, you're assaulting that person's ability to choose. And so they're going to choose the opposite to reassert themselves. Yes. And apparently people who are um, type A's are more likely to sense that their autonomy is being tread upon a more passive person that type B. Which we should do an episode on that yeah, someday, where that came types. from. Type A, type B, and definitely we should do one on um, yeah. personality inventories. Totally. Um, but type B people, you really shouldn't use reverse psychology on them because they'll end up doing what you ask. Yeah, they're like, sure. So you're you're asking them to do the opposite of what you right. want, and then they'll just go do that. You know? Yeah, just ask them what you want them to do, and they might go, yeah, great, I'll do that. Right. The problem is... People who use reverse psychology are the same people who who worry that the person they're talking to is not going to do what they want. Mm, you know what I mean? I guess so. <laughs> it's not true. Uh, there's a doctor, a psychologist named uh, Jeanette Raymond in Los Angeles, of course, who says that it's not so much. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's not so much the uh, the personality type, though, but the dynamics of the relationship, which makes a lot of sense. It does. Um, I also read uh, an article in Psychology Today on this <clears throat> about that context has a lot to do with it, too, whether it works yeah. or not. And this was a 2011 post, so it's kind of charming that the guy uses Charlie Sheen in rehab as an example. Oh, yeah. Tiger so he's, blood. He's saying, <laughs> right. He's saying that um, 
saying something that like if one of Charlie Sheen's friends had said to him, like, don't go to rehab. You totally don't need rehab. Don't go. Yeah. Charlie Sheen very likely would have been like, awesome. Yeah, you're right. I totally agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Because, number one, his desire to not be in rehab and to do tons of cocaine and his desire to be proven to prove that he doesn't need help yeah. would definitely trump any petty, fleeting desire to prove that person wrong and yeah. and um, uh, regain a sense of autonomy. What a weird time that was. It really was. He was the most famous person in the world for about a month. Yeah. Didn't you go see his tour? No. Okay. I read about it. I didn't Did go, you go see, see it. it. Mike Tyson? Yes. Okay. Saw Tyson. Two, uh, two very different things. I'm not equating those two. Some, <laughs> someone I knew went to... That stupid Charlie Sheen tour. And apparently the people who went were really unhappy because he he tried to make it like just some normal thing. They're yeah. like, no, tell us all your drug what, stories. What, like a legitimate stage show? Yeah. <laughs> Which it was not? Right. Yeah. And like he wouldn't talk about any of his, his drug stories or sex stories or anything like that. He was just basically just doing, uh, just talking. And yeah. And he got booed a lot. Yeah. And I think uh, even now Charlie Sheen is like, that was, that was weird. Well, yeah. why'd I do all that stuff? <laughs> he just came to. Yeah. Think, just now. I think he even admits, what a, what a dumb period of my life. Yeah. Um, I could talk about that guy all day. I don't think we should do a Charlie Sheen episode. Okay. I like him. Platoon, I think, is one of the best movies ever made, and he did really well in it. Yeah, good movie. Men at Work? I never saw it. You have to see Men at Work. Do I? Yeah. Casablanca first, though? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Just to appease the people in podcast land, if you ask me personally, you could watch them at the same time. Um, they give a really bad example to me in here about Julian Assange, uh, which of WikiLeaks. This is. Like, this almost made me um, just throw my laptop away while I was reading this. Yeah, it said basically um, an example is if Julian Assange had been not been told to stop, if basically the U.S. government had said, Fine, just go do it. Mm-hmm. He would have lost interest and and never would have published all those <laughs> diplomatic cables. I think that this is, is in this t- article. Terrible, terrible example. Yeah, I actually just scratched it out. You did a knife with a pen. Looked like a knife. <laughs> you just went back and forth, like carving it up. Yeah, man, I really can't believe it made it in there. So, children, though, um, one of the big reasons kids uh, it works on kids is because uh, if you're a parent. Um, and I'll find this out at some point. Not mm-hmm. yet, obviously. Sure. But um, kids, it seems like they're innately um, interested in doing the opposite of whatever you say. Yeah. And plus, they're also, their little brains are developing. They're what you call naive in a lot of ways. So it, it does tend to work on children. Again, like we said, you want to use this sparingly, if at all. Yeah. Um, but there have been studies. There have been real studies on this kind of stuff. We finally get to the studies. Yeah. So the study of reverse psychology or this phenomenon um, of reactants being primed, right, mm-hmm. um, really kind of starts in the 70s. But there's this very famous um, study from 1982 that was in the Journal of uh, Personality and Social Psychology, I think. Bulletin maybe in there. Sure. Anyway, this is that. <laughs> yeah. Pick, picky Right. <laughs> um, the, the, in this 1982 study found that children 
who were who were given free reign to play with a bunch of toys, except one. Mm-hmm. That toy became super popular. That's just obvious to me. Sure, um, but the you know they're studying things. They had to put it down on paper eventually. Yeah, um, they had a, another study um, or a very similar one. Had kids rate a, a handful of toys that were in this room. And then the researchers went back and picked the one that fell right in the middle. I think it was a toy motorcycle or something. Um, and with a new group said, this is like, you can play with all these toys except for the motorcycle. Yeah. And then later on, they formed yet another new group with new um, people running the show. And some of those same kids that had been told no to the motorcycle were suddenly very interested in the motorcycle. Oh, yeah. So this has been documented. This has been um, looked at over and over again. Um, but they don't exactly know what the mechanisms are behind it. And we will dive into that right after this. So before we move on, I want to point out to adults out there, uh-huh. it's very normal and even kind of cute <clears throat> when there's two kids playing with two different things and one kid says at some point, well, no, I want that one because <laughs> they're playing with that toy. Right. So I want that toy. It looks like way more fun. Uh, it's not cute when you're an adult. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. And I see it happen where, you know, well, I want what that person has. Sure. Why don't I have with that? The Joneses Why don't I have that? Yeah. And people, there are plenty of advertisers out there that use that, that manipulate that. Some of them go to um, hysterical lengths. Like there was a Patagonia ad that had a picture of a Patagonia jacket, and it just said, do not buy this jacket. <laughs> so I think it was a little tongue-in-cheek. Well, you know what I actually did? Um, I hope it was tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> I posted this article, um, what well, was yesterday, it will have been a couple of weeks ago, uh-huh. on Facebook, on our Facebook page. This one? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Before you sent it as a... Uh, what a coincidence. I know, right? And I said, I would advise you to not read this article. <laughs> like, ha, ha, ha. And uh, it, it did pretty well, actually. Did it really? Yeah, yeah it got well, a lot of shares, and a lot of people seemed to read it. And most people were like, oh, very funny. But I don't know. Did it work? Probably. I'm almost sorry they read the article now. <laughs> but but so I think it's it probably got a lot of uh, reads because it is something that's so ingrained in popular culture, you know, reverse psychology. It's used all over the place, either expressly, like there's a very famous uh, Simpsons episode where Homer's reading a parenting book and his brain says, um, don't you get it? You got to re- use reverse psychology. Yeah. And Homer's like, that sounds really hard. I'm not doing that. And his brain goes, well, fine, don't use reverse psychology. He goes, okay, I will. <laughs> And uh, I saw another example, Tom and Jerry, um, yeah. when Jerry has a bomb mm-hmm. and they're passing it back and forth. And then all of a sudden, Jerry changes and suddenly grabs the bomb back like he wants it. And that makes Tom want the bomb. Mm-hmm. And Tom, of course, ends up holding the bomb while it explodes. Yeah. Reverse psychology. And actually, the same lady that made the terrible, terrible example of um, Julian, Julian Assange. Assange does point out that this is it almost enters the realm of folklore. Sure. Reverse psychology does. But there is something going on there. And again, it is based on reactance, which is somebody doing the opposite of what's presented to them, breaking a yeah. rule, something like that. But we don't really know what's behind it, right? Well, one another quick example is, um, and this wasn't even us trying to use reverse psychology, but during some of our 
um, mm-hmm. like necrotizing fasciitis or mm-hmm. maggot therapy, mm-hmm. when we're like, don't go to Google Images and look this up. <laughs> right. Invariably, we have people that email us like, why'd you have to say that? Because that's the first thing I yeah. did, and it was disgusting. That's why I spell it correctly, because I know people <laughs> are not going to listen to us. But it's not us saying, like, oh, I really want them to go look at this, so we're going to tell them not to. Like, we really mean it. Don't go look it up. It's disgusting. Yeah. Oh, you sort of do? A little. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, w- w- there, there have been, there's been research into trying to figure out what what's going on here. Yeah. Why do people do this? Um, and uh, Esther Inglis Askell, who writes over at io9, great site, mm-hmm. um, she wrote a little post on this and, and is talking about how um, is it is it that people are rebelling against authority to to establish their own autonomy again or their sense of autonomy? Yeah. Or is it that they're trying to they're curious? Their curiosity is peaked, and she makes a really good case for curiosity being piqued by saying if you put forbidden on a door mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to go right through that door to see what is on the other side of this forbidden door i'd be one of them but if you put on that same door a sign that says forbidden colon toilet overflow people are going to be like i'm not going in there no i'd be like no I was, there's probably donuts in there and, <laughs> okay so so you're the suspicious type <laughs> yeah but if you take it on its face she makes a good point Yes, some people would be repelled by the idea of a disgusting overflowing toilet in there, but other people might have their curiosity assuaged, and so they wouldn't need to transgress. So it's a, a lack of information yes. and a curiosity. Right. That and, makes sense. And apparently other studies kind of bolster this idea because they show that the 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 reactance is more intense the more arbitrary a rule seems. Yeah. So that people are saying, like, wait, why? I don't understand this. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I that totally seems to that. be one component of it. Yeah. Um, and another component of it, however, seems to be just disobeying. There was another study that was, in, I think, in conjunction in, in that 1982 study of teenagers. And it found that um, these a, a, a group of teens were told, do not cheat on this test. It's really important you don't cheat on this test. Yeah. And Not like all the other tests. Yeah, I guess. Which you can cheat on. And uh, this group was induced to cheat more often, more frequently yeah. than the control group who weren't told not to cheat on this. Yeah. What's the point of that? I, I guess it's just... I don't know. That's just finding boundaries or... Or you could also make the case that they're they're trying to see what happens if they do cheat. Right. Because they're curious. So yeah. the jury's definitely still out on what's behind reactants. Yeah. Um we talked a little bit about how business, um, I think they said in the article that sales is a common way in business that mm-hmm. you, you can use reverse psychology, like the car salesman who shows all the cars except for the most expensive one. And they're like, well, why didn't you show us that? And he's like, well, I, you know, I think that's probably out of your price range. And then if you're, you know, an adult living in a child's body uh-huh. no. uh, or a child living in an adult's body. Yeah, like big. Yeah, you go, oh, well, no, let me see that car. <laughs> Right. I can afford that. Yeah, what do you mean? And the goofus family who's always broke drives off in their <laughs> brand new car. Or uh, the uh, relationship example they gave, like if a boyfriend's like, you're becoming kind of clingy uh, to the girlfriend. And the girl immediately is like, yeah, you know, I think we should spend some time apart, actually. Yeah. Maybe I- we should even date other people. Right. Boom. The guy all of a sudden says, wait, wait a minute. I love you. What do you mean date other people? <laughs> Yeah. So some of that harmless stuff in a relationship happens, I'm sure, but that's uh, not what we were talking about earlier with like truly toxic 
relationships. Manipulation. And manipulation. That, that's a different thing. There are yeah. different levels of this. Okay. It's on the same spectrum for sure. Uh, but it all, it also, uh, levels all the way up to real, um, therapy called paradoxical intervention. Yeah. And, um, psychologists actually say reverse psychology is the media invented that. That's not what we call it. It's an actual therapy that some people say is not ethical to use. Other doctors say, no, it's just fine to use. Yeah, I actually came across, a, I think, a, a paper from the 90s or something about the ethics of using paradoxical intervention. In, saying in like, grunge music? This does, right. <laughs> this does help, or it can help. And the whole idea of it, it's not really reverse psychology. It's just about the closest thing psychology has to reverse psychology. Yeah. Where... You are telling a, a patient to go and purposefully do a symptom. Yeah. Something they're complaining about. So if somebody's saying that they're a big procrastinator and they don't have any control over it, that's just who they are. Right. The doctor prescribes them one hour of procrastination every day. Set aside an hour to just yeah. procrastinate. And it does a bunch of different things. One, it's silly. The whole point of it is meant to be silly. Yeah. It also take something that was formerly thought of as involuntary right. as voluntary. And since it's voluntary, you can also voluntarily not do it. Yeah, it means you can actually control something you didn't think you could control. Right. But And then also by making it silly, it disempowers this thing that's like just such a big problem. It's, yeah. Now it's a silly thing. I'm, I'm purposefully procrastinating an hour out of every day. The thing is, is if the patient is not privy to what technique you're using, it, it, it's very manipulative. Yeah, it's almost like a light-hearted aversion therapy. Kind of, yeah. Sort of. Or yeah. exposure therapy. Exposure, yeah. Is that the same thing? Yeah. Not aversion, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. Like the if you're afraid of snakes, there. let me dump a bunch of snakes on your head. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty unethical. I would say so. Um, but like you said, some psychologists say, no, you can use it as a tool in your toolbox. Yeah, just don't be a tool when you use it. <laughs> Terrible. So um, the whole point of all of this is th- these are all persuasive techniques or what are called compliance techniques, right? Yeah. It's what you're trying to get people to do what you want. And there's another thing I ran across called the door in the face. It's a compliance technique, which people use all the time. You'll find it very familiar. Um, it's when you ask for something really huge that yeah. you know the other person's going to turn down, and they do. And then you ask for something, what you originally wanted which is smaller by comparison, but they may have turned down if you'd asked for it just on itself. Yeah, I think we talked about a version of that in the MPAA, like uh, filmmakers. They'll say, I really want to get this violent scene in there, so let me do something really outrageous that the MPAA is going to pull that and not pay as much attention to the thing I really wanted to keep. Right, so that's door in the face. There's also foot in the door where um, you ask for incrementally larger stuff to where you finally build up to the thing you want, smaller Uh smaller to larger. But then lastly, Chuck, the other thing I ran across was probably the healthiest way of using reverse psychology. So if reverse psychology works because the person feels like their, their sense of autonomy is being threatened, yeah, you take their autonomy and you put it front and center. You say... I can't make you do anything. Only you can decide whether this is good or bad for you. Right. So do what you want. And technically, it's a form of reverse psychology. But what you're doing is you're taking this obstacle that really doesn't have anything to do with anything, this person's sense of autonomy, putting it right there in the middle and saying, this is a non-issue. Yeah. Like, I respect your autonomy. I can't tell you what to do. You decide it. Yeah. It it doesn't even strike me as manipulative, necessarily. It strikes me as healthy. 
Yeah. Or you can just be honest with people. See where that gets you. But I think that's honest. Yeah, no, true. But yeah, you can also just say, like, I just, want you yeah. to do this. I yeah. know I can't make you, but this is the direction I want you to go. There's also the door in the floor. <laughs> Did you see that movie? N- no. Yeah, do you good. mean Flowers in the Attic? No, Door on the Floor was the the Jeff Bridges movie based on the uh, John Irving book, A Widow for One Year. Great book. Yeah. Pretty good movie. John Irving knows what he's doing. I thought A Widow for One Year is a much better title than The Door on the Floor, though. Yeah, The Door on the Floor rhymes. Hollywood loves rhymes. Uh, they sure do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else? Uh, surprisingly, no. <laughs> if you want to know more about reverse psychology, good luck finding it because we covered everything, sadly. Uh, you can start, though, looking at how stuff works in the search bar by typing uh, reverse psychology. Since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Uh, this is from Robbie. Hey, guys, thanks for your enlightening coverage of a vast assortment of topics. Help me find common ground with children and adults in all types of social situations. Uh, that could have otherwise have been excruciatingly awkward. Um, I'm an artist, so I listen to you while I paint. Music is great, but sometimes spoken word allows me to work longer. It's a steady feed of stimulation instead of emotional ups and downs that can come from music. In other music-related news, I recently conducted a social science experiment where I went around New York City and asked strangers what uh, their three favorite things are. The most common answers were family, music, and food. What would yours be? What? So what three... What are your three favorite things? Okay. Uh, Yumi? Yeah. Um, can I can I lump food into oh, just one category? Yeah. Food. Okay. Um, and... What's your third's going to do? You do? Yeah. What's your guess? Travel. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Or booze. No. No? I'm not so sad that I'm going to say that. <laughs> Although it's definitely up there. I will say... Top five? <laughs> I will say uh, my lemon tree is probably number three. Wow. Love that lemon tree. It's a producer. Uh, <laughs> not like that lousy lime tree. Uh, and my friends. I got to put them there. We'll, put, we'll say food and friends. Okay. After you and me. My favorite lemon three trees. things... <laughs> <Two though. laughs> uh, my favorite three things are uh, food... Uh, I'm going to say friends and family, which includes Emily. Sure. It's a bit of a cheat. Um, food, friends and family. Uh, folks? Food, folks, and fun? Fun. Friends and family is a cheat because that includes everybody. Yeah, you can just say folks. <laughs> food, friends and family. People. <laughs> and um, People's number two for you. I'm going to go with music. Oh, that's a good one. Boom. What about movies, though? You like music more than movies? I like... Oh, man, that is a tough, tough, tough question. You know who asks people questions like this? Jerks. <laughs> no. Because it's so impossible to yeah. just come up with three things. What's this guy's name? Robbie. Robbie, you're not really a jerk, but... <laughs> man. Actually, what the email should have said is, if I were you guys, uh, I don't know. I don't think you could answer it. I, I, he should have said, like, psychology. I want to hear you guys waffle on your top five or six <laughs> things that you like the most in the world. So, he finishes by saying, uh, what would yours be? Uh, there are three of you. I'm sorry, but there's only two of us in here now. Yep. Um, Frank, the chair's over there, but he can't talk. Could you possibly answer the question? We just did. I would record the podcast 
app on my Apple TV as you spoke and then include this footage in his experiment. So, uh... We're being experimented on right now. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and give him permission to use that clip if he wants. Uh, I do not give you permission. <laughs> you can use my, my side. You can use it. That's, uh, thank you for your incredible work with three, ex, uh, three exclamation points. Is there a site that people can go to to check out Robbie's progress or he, Kickstarter he, or anything? Well, he, he directed us to a YouTube link. So if I just go to YouTube and type in three favorite things and, um, you'll probably come across it. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, Robbie. Uh, I mean that ambivalently. Um, it was like six months ago that he asked us, so he probably gave up on us anyway. <laughs> Is there even a YouTube anymore? Yeah. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. Uh, you can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 